Who cares? Who cares? This planet is heating up and we're all gonna die one day, so who cares? Hi, my name is Synthal and welcome to my podcast where I read books every month and spread it across the internet. Well, not across the internet, more like the six people who listen to this podcast. I disseminate my ideas about these books to you six who I'm talking to on the other side of this of this podcast across the internet. Why? What did I say? Um... Welcome back, those who have returned, and hello to those who are new here. I hope you are excited for this month, because I am not, because the genre that I am discussing today is, or this month, is contemporary. And I know you must be thinking, everyone talks about contemporary, Senthal. You just go on to booktube and... Someone is going to pull out a book and say this is a contemporary fiction. But what does contemporary mean? And I'm going to tell you what it means. It's basically a novel set in the now. In the now. Oh, sorry about that. That's somebody driving really fast down the road. It's set in the now. So in this modern time in human history where things are happening currently very current it's like the fictional version of current stories current news it's like the fictional version of that um a very prominent example would be the vanishing half or romances that are coming out now that are set in this world in this setting where authors are using the normal reality of the world as the setting of their novel and so that is the books that I will be discussing this month but I have noticed that there are some problems with contemporary the contemporary genre and as I go through this book list you will realize why I'm not very happy (laughs) about reading in this genre again specifically teen fiction which i happen to to have lying around in the contemporary genre like bubble i just did not enjoy them as much as i would would have liked to and now let's move on so we can really discuss why that is And starting off very strong, we have Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And let me tell you, everyone talks about this novel. Or I would rather say that it is probably one of the most famous pan-African novels that I know of in my life. And... I'm pretty sure novels like Americana walked so that novels like The Vanishing Half could run. Because there is so many things this novel just does right that I just... Okay, let's just first... Let me just first tell you what the novel is about. It's set in Nigeria sometime during... 
I would say, a military-ruled kind of state in which Nigeria was in. I'm not sure the exact year or time, but it starts in Nigeria, and it tells the story of Efemelu and Obinze, and they're in a relationship in Nigeria during their teenage years, and then early university years and it follows their lives from that time into their adulthood and Ifemelu leaves to the US to study at a university using a scholarship while Obinze has to enter London undocumented and deal with a lot of really I would say quite terrible things while he lived there lives there and then they reunite in newly democratic Nigeria many many years later. It is extremely I would say not reflective but there's quite a harsh reality that is being painted in this novel which is true very true and it's so there are so many things in this novel that need to be said about a person who is black, who is African, migrating, immigrating, it's immigrating, I think, immigrating to a first world country like Europe or America, and the many subtle and not so very subtle things that happen if you are that person in that situation. And I would have to say that this novel really did not make me want to leave South Africa, like, at all. I've now become less urgent to explore the world. Because, according to this book, the world is not a very, very nice place. Because it holds a very harsh mirror up to our world and asks us to really look at it. I think probably everyone... And anyone should read this novel because it's just got things that need to be said and things that need to be understood. And I also really enjoyed that the story didn't feel like it was a very long book. Even though it's quite big. I think it's like, I'm checking now, it's about 477 pages, but there is so much things and stories and facts that are just packed in this book it is just so compact but you don't feel like it's dense even though it is dense and I rated it four out of five because of this really compelling writing style but also the very blunt nature of Adita's writing however I found that the two main characters have a very pessimistic and nihilistic portrayal of the world and it is very reflective of the situations and scenarios that they're forced into in the novels but at the same time this nihilism and pessimism creates I would say a superiority complex and it kind of gets on my nerves in the novel just a little bit, especially at certain parts in the novel where you can sense this superiority thing. And it's not something where I can say, oh, you know, it's reflective of how they are in the novel, but it's like a tad, a tad bit too much, like a tad little bit too much 
of that superiority thing where you kind of don't think that it's part of the character flaw but rather a a I would say how would I say it a linkage to the author's mindset about things so because it's so overt throughout the novel it's kind of like in offense Obense and Ifemelu's point of view. So you're kind of like getting that kind of same person, same person energy coming through a little bit. So that was my only thing that I didn't like. Other than that, great book. I think you all should read it. Then the first line from the book is Princeton in the summer smelled of nothing, and although Ifemelu liked the tranquil greenness of many trees the clean streets and stately homes the delicately overpriced shops and quietly abiding air of earned grace it was this the lack of a smell that most appealed to her perhaps because the other american cities she knew well had all smelled distinctly that was a very long first sentence moving on we now have They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. Now, I know what you're thinking. Stemple, this is still hyped up. This book is still, you know, in, in, the, in the times. It is not obscure or anything. And I would say to you, yes. But because I managed to borrow it from a friend and I actually would like to return it to that said friend in a... In a decent time frame I needed to read it and it is also contemporary but it's got a little bit of a twist in it so I know I said that contemporary is set in the now the modern times but there is certain there is also some little rules that you can just you know bend a little bit in this genre because you can have a little bit of a deviation as long as it's based on this world as it is now. So They Both Die at the End is a good example of what I mean. So it follows the story of Matteo and Rufus, who on the 5th of September are told at about midnight that they are going to die today. And that is because in this world, there is a thing called the death cast. And the death cast, every single day, phones people to tell people that they're going to die that day. And it's normal deaths. It's not like a Neil Shusterman scythe where a scythe comes and kills you. Like, 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 that's the reason you die. You can die from drowning you can die from being stabbed in an accident you know normal death things normal death things but you know about it before it happens and you get told the at midnight around like one o'clock two o'clock off that day so they are both told they're gonna die today and so they contact each other on this app called last friends which is either someone who is also a person who is going to die that day, or just a random person who wants to spend their day with someone who's going to die, which is, I would say, a questionable life choice, but, you know, can't judge 
these people you know it's a weird world they live in i really enjoyed they both died in but i couldn't rate it i don't know why it's very enjoyable it's fun it's fun to read you know pick up read one day i i devoured it it was really like fast paced and easy to read and the ending i i just, <laughs> i don't have any i don't have anything to say about it i just i just have so many feelings that i just i i'm speechless um it's definitely a very interesting teen fiction we see um in the next book that i review that there is two different worlds in teen fiction and i'm glad that adam silvera is representing male authors in the way that they need to be at this moment and that they need to what they need to be doing because this is good this is a good teen fiction with male protagonists with a male author you'll see what i mean in 2 seconds when i when i start reviewing the next book when i get nervous i start laughing so just ignore me and before i move on to um the next book i'm just going to read the first sentence okay death cast is calling with the warning of a lifetime i'm going to die today damn what did i tell you what did i t- <laughs> oh gosh this book this book i have i literally that's it this is the review i don't know what else to say moving on <laughs> And now we have probably the biggest disappointment and worst novel that I've read all year. And I and that's saying a lot cuz I've read some weird stuff. And that is me being me is exactly in as insane as you being you by Todd Hazak Lawi. I'm sorry. <laughs> a friend lent this to me and i and i texted her and i was like i'm sorry but i did not like this book i really tried i really tried i really tried but it did not work out this book and me are just not not friends we are not friends <sighs> okay let me just let me just go into this what what the book is about okay So there's this guy named Darren. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. There's this guy named Darren and his parents have recently been divorced and his brother left for college and his best friend moved to another state in America. And he's kind of bummed out, you know. Life is just not going well for him. He's struggling to get used to this new divorce while being the only child at home and then suddenly his dad shows up one morning and tells him something that is a big surprise it is a big surprise i was surprised it was a pretty big surprise good surprise um and he's just like i cannot deal with this and he gets on a bus with this person that he picks up on the way and goes to visit his brother in college and this entire novel is written in lists 
And that may have been its downfall. It may have been a great idea. Someone wrote on Goodreads, great idea, poor execution. And I agree with you. Because, yes, this novel was not, not it. There is this thing in in teen fiction, specifically male authors writing male protagonists. All of them sound the same. And and they're all basic. And you know, you know there's nothing wrong with being basic. Anyone who says that oh you like popular music, you're basic, tell them to shut up because you know what? Being basic is okay. Who cares? Who cares? This planet is heating up and we're all going to die one day, so who cares? So being basic is not a bad thing. Except except when male authors who write male protagonists in teen fiction and just literally all write the same very nihilistic sad loner boy who's obsessed with a girl that's mysterious and yes i'm looking at you john green because looking for alaska and paper towns have seared my brain i don't know why i kept reading john green but I did. And so I have a seriously large accumulation of novels of his that I have read. And yes, I do think that Turtles All the Way Down is the redemption that we needed from him. Because that novel is a masterpiece. Let me tell you, one of the best John Green, actually the best John Green book that I have ever read in my entire life. Please tell me why all teen fiction, male protagonists, written by men, are boring out of their minds, and why they all seem to have the same ideas, and the same tone, and the same voice about everything. About everything. And I'm not to say that this novel had no redeeming qualities. I actually really liked the ending. The ending was really, really well done. I even, I even nearly, nearly shed a single, single tear. But then it was instantly evaporated because I remembered how much of an actual irritation this novel was. Because guess how long this novel is? 646 pages of a teenage boy being annoying. And there is so much that this author could just have cut out of this novel. So many things. I actually skipped over pages because these lists are like kind of ridiculous at some times. And I understand why it was put in that way. Why he added like a little bit of a more, you know, interesting touches to the list and had a little bit of artistic expression. But I think this would have been a great novel in how divorce affects families because I think that he would have done an excellent job in just writing a story about divorce because I feel like the way that he wrote it is really well done but instead the divorce takes up about I don't know 20 percent of the novel and the rest is just (sighs) the rest is just whatever the rest is and it just drives me insane because it could have been actually good and I regret reading this novel and I'm not even gonna read the first line because I'm so sad 
that out of all the books in the world that I chose to read, that this book, this book had to be one of them. And that is all I have to say about this book. And now I shall move on. Then the last novel we have is The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Albom. It follows the story of this old man named Eddie who dies on his 83rd birthday. I won't say what, how he dies, but he dies. And he moves into heaven. I just want to say that this book is based on Christian beliefs on the afterlife. So just side note. So Eddie dies, he goes to heaven. And how heaven works is that when you die... You are met with five people. Some of these people are strangers to you. Some of them you've kind of never met but influenced your life. And other people you know and have lived with for prolonged periods. And so these strangers come up to Eddie and try and explain his life to him. And give him perspective on things that he didn't know in his life. Because they have that perspective. So it's almost like to tie up his mortality before he moves completely into the afterlife. I did enjoy the novel because it had some very heart-wrenching and sad parts of the novel. Especially about war because Eddie went to war and fought in a world I think a world war um in his lifetime so there are many scenes of violence and tragedy and I think the author did that really well and there are some really intense scenes of sadness and shock and there are some surprises however it does come across as a bit preachy and cliche so it, it starts off a little bit cliche at the beginning. So like when people say, oh, you have to accept the things that happen in your life. You have to get closure for things that happen to your life and move on to the afterlife with no regrets. And, you know, that can kind of come off a bit cliche when the author is just saying it directly. Whereas you probably would have worked better with a more subtle kind of subtle influence and subtle like messaging with that stuff. Um, And then the other part where it's preachy is when there's things that happen in Eddie's life that I thought were unforgivable and kind of really heartbreaking that Eddie... Eddie Eddie held on to his whole life because they were so horrible and sad. And in the afterlife, everyone there tries to convince him to forgive and forget. Even though the things that happened to him and the things done to him are unforgivable. And it's a specific person in his life. And if you read the novel or if you've read the novel, you'll know who it is. And I think forgiveness is a very tricky subject to talk about. Because if I'm taking this in a historical context, the way that I have learned that there are two sides to forgiveness is that 
when apartheid was abolished in 1994, there was a commission, a reconciliation commission that had like a court where people would bring their claims to human rights violations done against them during the apartheid time in South Africa. And they would bring these issues to the table and all the perpetrators, if they admitted to doing those things, they would get, I think, what is it called? What is it when they're not charged for it? They would get they wouldn't be charged for those crimes. They would be, uh, I don't know what the word is, but they wouldn't be charged with the crimes. Or they would be charged, but if they came forward, the sentence would be reduced. And Desmond Tutu, in the, in the trials, asked the families to forgive. And some of the things that people did to other human beings were absolutely understandably unforgivable if that had happened to you you would never forgive that person sure you can have closure and accept that you have to move on from the fact that they did what they did but you don't have any responsibility to forgive them and so that's why I think that forgiveness is a very complicated thing to talk about and the way that it was handled in this novel was too one-dimensional. And it kind of made me upset because if you're going to talk about mortality and closure and the end of life and the physical world, there are so many things that you need to think about and perspectives and lives and thoughts that you need to put into it. Because mortality is such a complicated thing to write about I don't think any author who writes about death should take it lightly because there are so many messages that we want to give people about how we think that they should die whereas we should be thinking about how should we all think about things before we die and so that was the thing where I was like no no I don't agree with that otherwise the novel was really good and much better much better than the novel I read before it and the first line of the five people you meet in heaven is this is a story about a man named Eddie and it begins at the end with Eddie dying in the sun pretty good first line I have to say so myself also I rated this book I think four out of five was it three out of five no it was four out of five and that is it for my little contemporary journey that I went on and that I will wait at least a year to go on again. Um, I really miss reading fantasy and sci-fi. Like, I've been craving fantasy and sci-fi this whole month, but I will be putting a hold on that until I can get some more books with fantasy and sci-fi because I haven't purchased any till probably I won't purchase any till probably January next year I am super looking forward to next month there is one novel in particular that I'm really interested to read and hopefully it won't blow my brains 
out because apparently it's really confusing. Anyway, I hope all of you are happy, safe and healthy and that you will continue to be even through these very unprecedented times of ours. See you guys next month.